Calm Christian here. Did you miss me? Oh, wait. I've just been talking to myself the whole time. I forgot. You just happened to tune in. Remember, I apply law to myself and grace to you. So anything that I say that sounds preachy, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I'm thinking it's October. In Canada, we have Thanksgiving soon. Much to be thankful for. I think of my life. There's been some tears. There's been some melancholy. There's been some depressions. And I'm actually grateful for that. Because I can see that God has carried me through it. I'm grateful to God. I don't enjoy being melancholy. But I think when I pass through it, I realize that God is passing with me. He says, my, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. God is under the yoke with me. I was thinking today about Christmas, which is coming up at the end of the year. Did you all ever say, see that movie with Jimmy Stewart? That was, It's a Wonderful Life. There's also a book, It's a Wonderful Life, Charlie Brown. But that's, this is the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Remember what happens? That he loses money, so he goes to the bridge and he tries to end his life. But the angel dives in after him. So please, do not, do not end your life. Suicide is not, it's not a solution. It's an escape from pain and it will do you no good. And the people you leave behind, you will crush. Life is worth living, no matter how heavy it may be. And so the guy fishes him out of the drink and he says, the angel named Clarence, he has to get his wings. So he says, uh, he says to him, he says to the tall guy, George, I think the, um, Jimmy Stewart's character is George. Money's not worth dying over because, because they've misplaced money in the bank that George works for. And so that's why he was going to do that. And he says, money's not worth dying for. And so he says, well, bub, I don't know about you, but it comes around pretty handy down here, bub. That was funny. And then the angel says something and the main character says, well, you know what? You're right. I wish I had never been born. I wish I had never been born. So the angel gets an idea and he clears it with somebody named Joseph. So you don't know who Joseph is. Joseph is an angel. And then he walks back to him and says, okay, George Bailey, you got your wish. You've never been born. Because all of a sudden, George Bailey can hear out of his ear again that when deaf, when he jumped into the ice to save his brother from drowning. This is the Bible verse, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12. The resurrection of the dead. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. This is the ESV, by the way. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What if Jesus had never come? What if he had died on the cross but still been in the grave? I remember reading something and they said when Jesus died, all of those disciples believed that they'll, they won't see him again or maybe they'll see him at the end of the world. Somebody rising in real time in earth's history, it didn't even occur to them. So the article says something like, oh, well, maybe they would have planted flowers by the tomb. And they knew where to go. They knew exactly where to go to lay flowers at the grave. But they never got a chance because something happened to the body. What would have happened if Jesus had never come? Would it have been kind of a, a version, a bleak version of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Would, it, would there even have been an America to make such a movie? Would the people in Europe have ever even gotten started and done anything, even created different races that gave birth to America? How would they have gone ahead? They would have slaughtered themselves. When would the human race have just killed itself off? Because that's what we do best. We want to get together, but it hurts. People are like porcupines. They want to get together, but we keep hurting each other. Nations would have killed each other. We wouldn't have even got to an America or a Canada or a North America. Would we have? It's said that of all the armies that have ever marched, all the, all the countries that ever fought, all the boats that ever sailed, no one has affected the life of the world so deeply as this one man from a small town named Nazareth. A one-horse town. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Then this one man, Jesus bar Joseph. Jesus, the son of Mary. A carpenter's son or a stonemason's son. Who we believe is Jesus the Christ, the anointed one, the risen one. And even Paul says, if this is a joke, we're liars. Like Paul has this logical mind. So when you read this... I think you have to read it a couple of times because it didn't quite make sense to me. But what I boil it down to in my simpleton little mind is the world would be a lot worse off if it ever managed to limp as far as it ever did. We wouldn't probably even be here. There would be no, there would be nothing here. We'd have, we'd have gone destroyed ourselves. It says in verse 19, if Christ, if in Christ we have hope, well, there'd be no hope. 
What hope would you have? What hope for life? Why bother do anything in life? There's no, no point in hoping. The end result is a cold hole in the ground. There's nothing to live for. Get it all now or don't get it or don't care. Just give up. Just go sit by the wayside and watch it all go down. Or, or, or live a life of debauchery. It doesn't matter what you do to yourself because there, if there's consequences, it's okay. The consequences can't come or they won't come. Or when they do come, it won't matter. Right? It doesn't matter. That's what people say. It doesn't matter. Oh, why are you doing this? It doesn't matter anyways. If your life is a doesn't matter, how can you possibly have any purpose for your life? What do you have to live for? If there's no God that used space and time to create people, there's nobody there up there. He's an absentee God. He's a God that left. Or it's a space alien. Nobody cares if you live or die. Is that how we all want to live life? You know, I saw the Superman movie. There's a, I think it was on YouTube or no, it was on, it wasn't on YouTube. I think it was, was it Amazon Prime? Or I think I rented a movie from, from the library. And these two boys are interviewing Superman. It's the Justice League. That's what it is. And they ask him, what's the S on your chest for? It's an S. He said, it's a symbol of hope. He points at his chest and say, it's a winding river. And then these two boys are talking. So it's like a cam recorder recording their interview with Superman, who is Henry Cavill. He's a handsome dude, eh? He looks exactly like I would picture Superman should look. Just a handsome dude, square jaw, good looks. Now that guy is Superman. Of course, um, what was it Christopher Reeves? He was a Superman guy too. He had a square jaw, man. I remember in the Muppet movie, the Muppet, uh, the Muppet show, they used to have the Muppet show and Kermit the Frog tried to punch him in the stomach. And then there was a sound of uh, something hitting a steel an anvil. And Kermit the Frog is going, you now, Christopher Reeve, now there was a handsome guy. Okay, he had the looks, the height, everything. But Henry Cavill, Superman says, you know, hope is like a bunch of car keys. You know you've misplaced them. They're around somewhere or other. I like it. Hope is around, but it's not because of car keys. It's because the man we know is Christ the Lord. Did you ever see the It's a Wonderful Life movie? All of a sudden, this guy, George Bailey, has figured out something has gone very wrong with reality. And it's got something to do with this little angel guy, this innocuous looking guy, whose name is Clarence, who says, Do you hear that? Every time you hear a bell ring, an angel gets his wings. He goes to where there was a bunch of townhouses that he knew of because he helped to set it up in the bank. He was in charge of the bank. They're not there. Why? Because this evil spidery guy who's a lot like Satan named Potter has taken over the land. If George Bailey had not been born, Potter would have bought the land and he would not have let the common regular people have nice clean houses to live at. George Bailey goes to his mother's house and he, she opens the door. Mom, it's me. Don't you know me? I don't know you. Who are you? She looks at him with an evil suspicion and bangs the door shut. And of course, he's getting mightily scared. And so he's turning to Clarence and he's this, hey, I, what have you done to me? Have you, have you bewitched me? 
I told you, George, you've never been born. Don't you get it? So he goes. So then the angel dude spirits him, raptures him to the graveyard, and he sees the brother. Sees the graveyard of his brother, the gravestone of his brother. What is this? Oh, it's your brother. But but but, what what happened? He saved all those men on the transport. He never saved the men on the transport, George, because you were not there to save him when he almost fell into the ice. And drowned in that alternative reality. You were not there to save him, so every man on that transport died. And of course, the sky is black and morose and bleak, and he's getting really scared. What have you done to me? What have you done? And the wind is blowing. You know, I mean, before they had Marvel and DC Comics, What If Comics. Where they had an alternative scenario, they had a movie. It's a Wonderful Life, and it's funny because it's a Christmas movie. It's a movie about Christmas, but there's a dark element in this. It's scary. And the angel says to him, George, you know, a man, a man's life is like a hole. That man is missing, and everything just falls into that hole. Because all the wonderful things that he's done, he never did them, and they had major consequential impacts on other people. How many good things have each and every one of you done for people? But somehow the devil always tempts you and hurts you and makes you angry about the things that you don't have, or about what you think God should be giving you. I'm sure I, if I. Asked you that question, I was sitting right there. You'd all put your hand up. We all got hung up on the one percent we don't have, but we forgot about the ninety-nine percent we do have, and we forgot that Jesus used you to help somebody else. If you had not been born, or you were not there, the world would be a darker, scarier place. George Bailey. Tries to go find his wife. She works at the library, and George Bailey calls her. Oh, she's an old spinster. She never met you because you were not there. She never got married. And he runs after her, and she's pretty, but she's got glasses on, and she looks a little mousy and scared. And she says, "I don't know you." And then she faints, and then everybody gathers around him, and George Bailey's looking him, looking at like the at the angel with those big, you know, at those big with those big James Stewart eyes. I wish I could do a James Stewart impersonation, but I can't. What have you done? Let me out of here! And he runs to the bridge, where he was about to off himself, and he says, "Get me back! Get me back! Get me back!" And all of a sudden, it starts snowing again because in this alternative reality, it stops snowing, but in the real reality, it starts snowing again. And then this guy drives along, and he almost kind of hits him. He's like, "George, I've been looking everywhere for you." Wait, wait, Ernie, you know me? Of course I know you. You're George Bailey. And he runs home. He runs home. He's so grateful, so grateful for life, so grateful for happiness, so grateful for his wife and his kids. He still lost the money. He's still in deep trouble. 
And then all of a sudden he goes home and, you know, he's got the gray hairs and he looks real tired and everybody comes and dumps, dumps their money and gives them all their money. Now he's got money to pay it all back. And his daughter's saying, hear that, daddy? Hear the bell ringing? When the bell rings, and he says, I know. I know, sweetheart. When the bell rings, somebody gets their wings. Then he winks. Atta boy, Clarice. Atta boy. You are God's angel. You are the eyes and the ears and the boots on the ground and the hands and the feet of Christ. When I hear people complaining in the church about service, it upsets me. I'm not a martyr or a teacher or a pastor. I never want to be. I don't want people to draw a bullseye on my back and critique me. I'm not ready for that. Are you grateful to be a Christian? Are you grateful to go to church? Are you grateful that you have a savior who's at the right hand of God and is waiting for you? He's got his eyes focused on you right now. You may not talk to you, you may not hear a voice, but you hear it in your heart. You know what I'm saying is true. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Do you feel what I tell you? I don't ask you, I, I don't tell you what to feel. I ask you to think about what you feel. What do you feel right now? Paul says, if everything we have ever said to people is a complete lie, then we are liars. We are the most miserable of all men. And we should just party like there's no tomorrow because tomorrow you die. That's all you ever have. Death gets the final word on your life and the devil wins. Well, I tell you something, there is a devil, unfortunately, but his time is short. And he knows his time is short. And that's why he's tempting you and hurting you and hitting you. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Your life is forever. Your life will go through all the chapters of Revelation. You may have to live through Revelation 13. You may have to endure it. If you're a Christian, this is as close to hell as you're going to get. And if you're not a believer, this is as close to heaven as you'll ever be. So psst, become a believer. Pronto. You will get to Revelation 19 or you will see Revelation 19 and you will get through Revelation 20 and you will live with God forever in a perfect universe a perfect earth, a perfect reality, and you'll never weep again. You'll never feel melancholy again. You'll never feel down in the dumps ever again. You will live with your Savior forever in Revelation 21, Revelation 22, and then dot, dot, dot. And if you ever feel ungrateful, or thankless about what Jesus has done for you, all you have to do is wave at him and he'll wave right back. And the light of eternal mind 
Eternal Son. S-O-N or S-U-N, whatever you want to say. Will shine through the hole in his hands for you. God bless.